Today's episode is sponsored by Newspapers.com, the largest online newspaper archive. Newspapers.com makes it easy to find your family's story. With more than half a billion digitized newspaper pages from the 1690s to today. Search for obituaries, marriage announcements, birth announcements, photos, and more in papers from across the United States, the UK, Canada, and beyond, stretching back three generations. For listeners of this podcast, Newspapers.com is offering 20% off a Publisher Extra subscription. Just use the coupon code FAMILYTREEMAGAZINE at checkout. That's code FAMILYTREEMAGAZINE, all one word, for 20% off Publisher Extra. Welcome to the January 2023 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. I'm Lisa Louise Cook. The new year is a great time to tackle a new genealogy challenge, but to do that, you're going to need a plan. And author Lisa Alzo is here to give you a five-point strategy for developing a great research plan. And since many of us will also want to start the new year off better organized than we were last year, I've invited Gina Philibert Ortega to share her thoughts on how to organize genealogy. And then we'll wrap things up at the editor's desk with the editor of Family Tree Magazine, Andrew Cook, for a closer look at the January slash February 2023 issue of the magazine. As always, we have a lot to cover, so we'll start things off with some tree talk with Family Tree Magazine social media editor, Rachel Christian. But before we do that, you may have noticed that I didn't mention the best website segment. And there's a great reason for that. And that's because starting this month, we are launching our spinoff podcast solely devoted to the best websites for genealogy. So take a second right now to search your favorite podcast directory for Family Tree Magazine, Best Websites, and subscribe. And while you do that, we'll head on over to Rachel's desk for some tree talk. Okay, well, let's kick off this episode by checking in with Rachel Christian. She's the social media editor at Family Tree Magazine, and we'll find out what's uh, new and interesting going on in the world of genealogy right now. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Lisa. Well, I know that you keep an eye on what's uh, going on in the world of genealogy. What are some of the latest news items that have caught your eye? Yes. Well, given that it's a brand new year, I thought I'd just start with some of the highlights from the past couple months or so, things that we should be aware of going into 2023. And first off, I have to mention Finding Your Roots, For the first time, they are inviting anyone to submit their story for a chance to be featured on the show. And this is a very popular genealogy program that historically has only had celebrity guests. So this is a really exciting opportunity for fans of the show, as well as for the genealogy community in general. In other news, the National Archives recently launched a newly redesigned version of their online catalog. The old catalog will be available until March 2023. They are asking people for feedback on the new design, so there will be a link in the show notes to the form where you can submit feedback. Finally, there are a few record releases that I wanted to mention. First off, the National Museum of African American History and Culture announced the launch of a Freedmen's Bureau search portal. So it's a portal that allows genealogists and students, really anyone, to search the over 1.7 million pages of Freedmen's Bureau records that they have digitized. So that will be a great resource for anyone, especially 
researching their African-American ancestry in 2023. And finally, this one um, didn't get as much media attention, but I thought it was important to mention nonetheless. In a partnership with the Historical Society of Southern California, the National Archives at Riverside has published 2,200 Chinese Exclusion Act case files. So these files document the movement of Chinese immigrants and Chinese Americans in and out of the United States during the exclusion era. And that can be a really helpful record set to people tracing Chinese American ancestry during that time. So I wanted to mention that record collection as well. And as always, we'll have links to everything that I just mentioned in the show notes. So if any of that piqued anyone's interest, please check it out. That sounds great. Uh, I was excited to see that new National Archives website. It'll be interesting to see if genealogists are going to be finding that easier to use. Um, One thing I notice is it's faster. So that's a really nice thing is just it seems to work a little more quickly. Definitely. Uh, All great items. Thanks so much for the update. Thanks, Lisa, and Happy New Year. A research plan helps you record the who, what, when, where, and why of your family history quest. It's kind of your uh, genealogy GPS, if you will. So to help you map out your research plan, author Lisa Alzo is here to share her five steps for how to create a genealogy research plan. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Loved your article. And I would love to have you take us through your five-point strategy that you kind of lay out in that online article so that our listeners can use it as a model. Will you do that for us? Absolutely. So you're right that the research plan is just like a GPS for your genealogy research. It points you in the right direction. And I just want to stress that I think it's really important because most genealogists, you know, we go on our online databases or on Google and we just type names and just hope for the best. And while that can work sometimes, sometimes you get lucky and get information. I think it's always better to kind of have a plan on, you know, who you want to research and what exactly you want to find out. So first you want to establish a genealogy research objective. So you know, you don't want to just say, I want to find out about my, you know, paternal grandfather on my dad's side. You want to be specific. I want to find out where my grandfather was born or where my great grandfather was born or when did that ancestor immigrate to the United States. And so when you do this, you kind of set up long-term goals, like to find the, you know, exact date and when your great-grandfather left home uh, and the date he arrived in the United States. But then you might have a short-term objective, like to check the censuses for year of immigration. So 1900, 1910, 1920, 1930, etc. And then once you do that, you want to list any known facts. So you might have a family narrative or something that a a relative told you. And so you write down what you might already know or what you might think may be the case, but you don't want to blindly accept those those family uh, lures, those tales. You want to always 
investigate the facts of those, but at least that serves as a guideline for you. And then you'll go through and form a working hypothesis. So, you know, basically say, you know, your great-grandfather left, for example, in my case, Slovakia at a certain time. So I know he left at this date and that he was in the United States between a certain period of time. And so I kind of write it out like just a, a paragraph, what I know and uh, as much as I know, and that's that's covered in the article, an example is given. And then once I do that, I want to identify the sources that which records I want to seek. So obviously, you might seek a port of departure if that's available. You'll look for the passenger list when they arrived and anything else that might establish when they arrived in the United States and when they settled. So like in my my case, you know, I know there were some children that were born in the U.S. So I would look for, you know, a baptism or a birth record and, uh, you know, of course, other records that, that might help. So you'll look for your primary and secondary sources. And again, this is all covered in the article. And then you want to define the steps for accessing and using those resources. Are they available online in one of the databases, either Ancestry, MyHeritage, FamilySearch, or another database? Or do you have to write away to, say, a vital records office? Or do you have to obtain that information at a courthouse? And maybe you have to use email communication or mail or even go there in person. So you want to always, you know, where will I find this piece of information? And so you kind of write down the sources and how you seek to get them. And then you're just going to then follow through on your plan and then, of course, record your results either in your genealogy software program or if you do a research log using Excel spreadsheet or Word or some other tool that you like to record your results. And that basically is the five steps. I love it. So we have, uh, you had number one was to establish genealogy research objective which I totally agree. I mean, we think we kind of know it in our head, but when you really have to almost write it down and put it into words, it helps you really get specific and focused. And then number two, you said was list known ancestor facts. So what we know about them. Number three, form a working hypothesis. Number four was identify sources with related records, which is terrific. Kind of starts a checklist for you. And then you wrapped it up with number five, which was define steps for accessing and using records. I love this process because it does, in a sense, kind of create a checklist for us. So we we can start checking things off and uh, recording everything. You mentioned lots of different avenues we might use to record our stuff. Do, what do you personally tend to do? Do you tend to do that in your database? Do you create Excel worksheets? What do you like? So generally, I like for my research log for recording information, I do favor the Excel spreadsheet because I can sort it by date or by record type or whatever. And it's pretty portable. I can always upload it to Google because it's compatible with the Google Sheets. And so it's always, you know, available online and it's easily 
it's an easy method to record your information. And what I do then when I verify that information, that this is the person and this is the correct information, I analyze it, then I will put that into my genealogy software, you know, my database. Uh, so that's what I like. Like for planning my research, I'm a big Trello fan. I've written articles about that and I've done presentations on on Trello because it's sort of a good boards, lists, and cards kind of way to plan out what you're going to do. And it's very visual, but there are many methods. People use all sorts of tools and there are so many that, that you can choose from, but those are the ones I tend to use most often. Well, and I think you're right that there's a wide variety. So what I guess this really gives us freedom to know that it's not so much which one you do, but that you do it, that you put it into action and you're consistent and you have kind of a framework for what you're trying to accomplish. And you've certainly provided a framework for everybody listening here in this article. It's available online. It's called How to Create a Genealogy Research Plan, a five-step example. This is a premium article, which is part of the membership available at FamilyTreeMagazine.com. And also, you know, at FamilyTreeMagazine.com, there are a lot of great free forms you can use, some of which will also help you with this research plan. So we'll have a link so that you can check out the free forms on the website as well. Lisa, tell folks where they can check you out online and all the other things that you're doing. Well, in addition to Family Tree Magazine and, of course, Family Tree University, I have a website and you can go to lisaalzo.com and that's where you can find me and uh, links to some of the other articles I've written and, you know, tools and things that I recommend. Sounds terrific. And that's alzo, A-L-Z-O, lisaalzo.com. Lisa, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your research plan with us. Thank you, Lisa. And I wish everyone happy researching. Many of us have been accumulating data and documents for years, okay, maybe even decades. (laughs) And that means that we potentially have a lot of stuff that we need to keep track of. Now, it's easy to fall behind in keeping it all organized. And though there's no one perfect way to organize genealogy research, Gina Philbert Ortega has fantastic strategies that are going to make a real difference right away for you. And these come from her Family Tree University course she teaches called Organize Your Genealogy Research. Welcome back to the show, Gina. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Always love talking with you. And I know that you are such a guru when it comes to organization. This really is one of the most challenging areas of genealogy, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. Because like you uh, said before, some of us have been researching for decades. And, you know, the other thing we have to keep in mind is it's not just our stuff. It's the stuff we inherit from our genealogy family members who, you know, either share with us or they've passed on and they've gifted it to us. So a lot of times we're organizing what we've accumulated and what someone else has accumulated. Oh, I can't agree more. And, you know, and it's, it's such a thrill when you do inherit something or somebody passes oh. something along to you. And then it's like, ah, now I'm responsible. I need to do something with this. 
Well, it is. And a lot of times when you inherit it, you know, they probably didn't organize it either. Mm -hmm. And so some of that material is going to be photocopies of classes they went to, or in uh, the case of one of my cousins, she had probably 20 copies of each census. And, you know, she had good intentions, but that's a lot to go through. Absolutely. And I can sympathize because if you have been doing it for decades, you probably do have paper. I remember when we used to go into yes. the library, remember, and pull up the, yes. the census index. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we yes. have lots of stuff that we need to um, be organized with. And I think we want to have a process. So as we hopefully find more stuff, we're going to be able to bring it in and easily incorporate it into a nice organized situation. So I know you teach the course, Organize Your Genealogy Research for Family Tree University. So I'd love to have you kick us off with some of your favorite tips from that class. Sure. And this is a great time to start thinking about this, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I tell students is choose a system or systems because you have different stuff. And I'll get into that in a second and stick with it. You know, it's great to hear what other people are using and all the great apps and software and everything. But if you're not going to stick with it, it doesn't matter. So, you know, think about what you have to organize. Paper files, your files, their files, digital files, heirlooms, and then decide how you're going to organize each one of those. And Use something that you're going to use. It doesn't matter that everybody loves, you know, a particular uh, system like, let's say, Evernote. It's a great program, but if you're not going to use it regularly, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It won't do the job for you. If, if exactly. It really comes down to us, doesn't it? It does. So think about what your preferences are. It's okay if you like paper and pen. I, I'm a paper and pen person too, so I understand that. You know, then use a file cabinet, for example. Color code stuff. If you'd rather have everything online, then start scanning that paper. You know, you are going to have some physical stuff because some of the stuff, like original records, you can't throw away those. But if you prefer to have most of it online, then do that. So come up with a plan. The other thing I would say is, especially if this is not your forte, if, if you know, organizing makes you want to go and have your teeth pulled out, then think about what you can do. If it's just 10 minutes, you know, maybe after you're done researching, you take 10 minutes to kind of straighten up or to create a file or to organize your files on your computer. Just bite it off in little bits and pieces. It doesn't all have to be done today. You've been collecting this for years, decades. It's not going to be organized in a week. That's so true. Hey, they could do that while they're listening to this monthly podcast. How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, sometimes actually I do that. If I'm listening to a podcast or someone's talking to me on the phone, I get on my computer and I start, you know, uh, organizing my digital files and naming stuff or deleting emails. That's something I do quite a bit while I'm doing something else that, you know, isn't going to take too much effort. So, you know, take it in small increments that's going to help you because it is overwhelming. Yeah. And, and regularity, like you were talking about, um, pick a system and there are several out there. Certainly there are things that they can read up in the magazine and on the website and in your class, pick the one that kind of works with the way that we kind of think and stick to it, do it regular. And like you said, in small chunks, I love that. I noticed that Andrew Cook 
uh, the editor of Family Tree Magazine, interviewed you for his recent article. Uh, we're going to be talking to him a little bit later in the episode, but it's called All in a Day's Work. And what were some of the ideas and strategies that you were kind of sharing with him to to help along these lines? Well, some of what we've just discussed, but also, you know, the article talks about setting smart goals. And I think everybody knows what those are. They're, they're basically achievable, measurable goals. And so think about what you need to be organized and break that down. And like I said, don't, you know, people a lot of time, especially with the new year, they have these big grandiose plans. Don't do that. Just pick one thing. You know, I need to organize all my photos that are online. You know, I need to label them and put them in uh, cloud storage and just work on that little by little. That's going to benefit you. The, the other thing is, you know, there's so many programs available to us genealogists, but know the ins and outs of them. So, for example, having an online tree, that's great. There's benefits for having an online tree. But if you have genealogy software with your tree, you know, on your computer, that gives you additional functionality and additional ability to organize and, you know, add documents and other things to your family tree on your computer. So really look at what is best for your resources and don't duplicate your efforts. Great advice. You know, you were talking about kind of just making those goals, uh, the SMART goals. I think in the article he talks about SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, and attainable, which I like the idea of realistic, uh, relevant to the larger goals, and time-bound, basically have a deadline. And I think those are all – having goals is just like with genealogy research, isn't it? If you don't define the question or the goal or – the the framework that you're going to work within, boy, it's it's really easy to get off track. Well, it is. And especially with research and with the organization, I think too often we just kind of go for it and, and we're excited and all of that. And then before we know it, we have piles all around the house or it's on the dining room table or whatever. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm not the best at organizing either. I mean, I could be way better. But the thing is, is I know what I'm capable of and what I'm not. And so I work within that. I try to make those smart goals and not try to bite off more than I can do. And I recognize, hey, I've had this stuff for a long time. Or my cousin, who I inherited about six boxes from, she had that for a long time. It's not going to, you know, be organized and beautiful in a matter of days. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was thinking about, it's not even just the paper stuff. It's the digital things that we have in our computers. I know one of my favorite things to do is I create almost, it's almost like a guide, a style guide. You know, we think about you write articles and books and things and, and you have that kind of style guide where you say, here's how I'm always going to format my file names. Here's always how I'm going to label my file folders or how I'm going to assemble tags and Evernote, whatever it is we do. Because I'm always, sometimes you put it down and you don't get to pick it up again for a couple of months and then you forget what you were doing. I love being able to go to my little cheat sheet that I made myself that says, here's how I do it. Does that sound reasonable? Absolutely. Be consistent. Because not only do you know, you may put it down for a while, you may have it on the computer and think, oh, okay, it's on the computer, and then you can't find it again. I mean, do you ever have that happen? (laughs) I have that happen. So yeah, having that cheat sheet. And also, I think don't make things more complex than they need to be. 
you know, color coding, that's fabulous. Having certain file names, that's great. But you can really kind of go overboard with it. So keep it simple so that you can A, find it. And, you know, the other thing, Lisa, is think in terms of who's going to need to find it after you have passed. Oh, good point. To me, that's the important thing because, you know, we do genealogy because we love it and we love family history. But, you know, ultimately, when I pass, I hope this will be used by my kids, grandkids, all of that. But if it is not understandable by them, if it's just a a mess, it's going to end up in the trash. That's a really good point. Um, that That's something I do too. Like I have my three ring binders. And although maybe not everything inside the surname binder is all perfect and tidy and organized. Sure. From the outside, it does look organized. And and that's what I think you're kind of talking about. It, will, it could end up in the trash if it was a box yep. full of loose papers. But if people walk in and say, oh gosh, she's got these binders and they look kind of streamlined, then they might take it a little more serious. They will. And if they know what the importance is, you know, this is mom's side, this is dad's side. I mean, one of the times I was talking to my son, because, you know, like you, I like antiques, and I like buying stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, when you pass, how am I supposed to know what's important for our family and what's something you bought at the antique store? (laughs) And I thought, you know what, he's got a good point, because I have family quilts, but I also have quilts that aren't family. So setting that up, so you ensure that that lives on. I don't know about you, but I have inherited genealogy from three different people. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm patient, and I want to go through all those papers. My kids are not going to be that patient. Very true. And you've just hit on something that is actually one of my 2023 goals this year. I'm making these little, you can buy these little brass plates. I I don't know if they're brass or what they're made of, but metal plates on Amazon and have them even engraved or you can write on them, but you can mount them onto the back of, let's say, an heirloom picture or a piece of furniture. Something that says, this is where this is from. Something that's not going, my grandma used to write on masking tape. <laughs> she would yes, yes. put masking tape on the back or underneath something and she would write in pen and over the years that fades. But I want to be sure they do know the difference. Well, so organizing is more than just making sure things are neat and tidy and that mm-hmm. you can find them. Organizing is also making sure that other people can identify them and know their importance. So that's something we need to keep in mind as well. And and like I said, that that seems overwhelming, right? When you think about all of that. So just choose one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, label those photos or label those heirlooms you know, organize the files on your computer and make sure family members know how to access them. Just do something small. That way you feel successful. And that's going to help you as you move on to another project. All right, everybody listening, you just got permission from Gina Philibert Ortega, the instructor over at Family Tree University, (laughs) to not have to do it all and not have to do it perfectly. But do something. I like that advice. Gina, so we're going to have a link over to Family Tree University so people can keep track of when they do offer your course on organizing. They can find you over at GinaGenealogy.com. And of course, in Andrew Cook's article, All in a Day's Work. And that is uh, going to be in the January, February 2023 issue of Family Tree Magazine. Always good to talk to you. Thank you so much, Gina. This is a great way to start the new year. Thank you. 
Well, it's time to stop by the editor's desk. And today we're talking to the editor of Family Tree Magazine, Andrew Cook. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Lisa. Hey, it looks like uh, the January, February 2023 issue of the magazine is is just out or just around the corner. How about a little preview about what we're going to be seeing in this issue? Yeah, well, Lisa, like a lot of people, I was sitting down to think about what I want to accomplish in this new year. And um, organization is always right at the top there. So that's kind of what inspired me to write the cover story, which is on how to organize your research in a day. And I mentioned this in the article, but obviously takes longer than a day to organize your research most of the time <laughs> for most people. But, you know, like I, I'm busy, we're all busy. So um, sometimes all you can do is just set aside a Saturday and all right, let's roll up our sleeves and get this done. And so that's what this article is, is what to do before that day, what to do during that day, and how to make the most out of it. That sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited to see the article. Yeah. And, you know, we heard from Gina Philibert Ortega uh, earlier in this episode. She's quoted in it. Um, we also interviewed a professional organizing consultant and got her expertise as well. So, a couple really interesting perspectives that uh, I think add a lot. Fantastic. So, that's going to be the cover story. What else will we be seeing in this issue? Last episode, we heard from Robin Smith and Maureen Taylor, who who wrote feature articles on how to research witnesses in records and how to use and preserve photo negatives that you might have in your research, respectively. So both of those articles are in this JanFeb issue. So podcast listeners have a little sneak peek already, which is which is kind of fun. Um, and the other two stories are on the best websites for African-American genealogy research and how to format dates, places, and names in your genealogy software, sort of to uh, be consistent and to take advantage of the different features that some of the popular programs have. Oh, it sounds like a very well-rounded issue. I mean, tackling so many of the things that so many of us are dealing with. Yeah, we, you know, we try to do a little bit of everything in each issue. So something will resonate with everyone who picks up a copy. Perfect. Well, we're talking about the January-February 2023 issue, a great way to start the new year. And uh, hey, this has been a great way to end a great episode. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in to this January 2023 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. This is the podcast from America's number one genealogy magazine. As always, I'm going to have links for you on the show notes page to everything that we talked about today. And you can find our show notes at familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the new Family Tree Magazine Best Websites podcast in your favorite podcast directory or app. And while you're there, please show your enthusiasm for genealogy and this podcast with an awesome five-star review. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and you can visit me over at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll find all the details on my Genealogy Gems podcast and YouTube channel. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.